0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. I am thrilled this week to re-release an episode I did with Allison Fallon. She's an author, public speaker, writing coach. She's coached hundreds and thousands of writers to help them get their books finally written and on the shelves. And in this conversation, we talked about... Her most recent book, The Power of Writing Things Down, which walks anybody, whether they consider themselves an air quote, real writer or just play one on TV. It walks you through a simple daily practice to reduce anxiety, curb depression, improve your confidence, and especially, and this is the real kicker here, gain clarity in their life. And so I wanted to bring this episode back out and top of mind moving forward into the new year, because even though I don't particularly subscribe to the idea of doing new year's resolutions, I do believe in making progress and have been thinking about goals I want to push forward next year. And I think one of the things that's hardest for me is to write. I'm much more of an auditory processor. I say things out loud, and then I'm sure of them, and I'm aware of them, and the thinking inside my head. That's just how it works with me and my own self-awareness. And whether you're like that or not, there's still a way to use what is in this conversation with Allison about the power of writing things down. Now, in my case, it's writing things down through speaking and walking and talking, a la West Wing, but whatever, it's fine. I just know that this is one of the most powerful but underutilized tools in your productivity kit. And I want to call attention to it again, not just for you, but for me personally. So I'm going to get out of the way, but I'm just going to say enjoy this conversation with Allison Fallon. Well, this week it is my privilege to welcome back to the show Allison Fallon. Allie, welcome back.
1: Thank you, Eric. It's great to be here.
0: This is not necessarily something, a topic that, you know, we we tackle here on the show, but is it is directly related to so many aspects of productivity. So let's just jump right in. Your new book, it's called The Power of Writing It Down, A Simple Habit to Unlock Your Brain and Reimagine Your Life. You know, the reason that I don't necessarily think we tackle the topic of writing specifically on this show is because when the word writing is brought up, A lot of people think of the purpose of writing being to write something for public consumption, for for blogging, for publishing a book. And there's, you know, it's definitely there's definitely productivity tips to wrestle with for publishing a book, which that'd be something to maybe have you come back on and talk about at at some (laughs) point, but not necessarily creating a writing habit just for their own benefit. Why would somebody necessarily entertain the thought of creating a writing habit in order to make change in their life?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I wrote this book specifically because I talk to people all the time who have these ideas about what it means to be a writer that I think are just really myths that have been passed down through our culture that that don't serve us at the end of the day. And exactly what you're touching on here, one of those myths is to be a writer means that I'm writing a book or publishing a book, or maybe that means I'm a copywriter and I like copy for a brand that I work for. Or, you know, that's sort of like those other people over there, the creative people, that's not really me. And so this is not a topic for me to talk about. And I wrote this book specifically because writing has so much to offer, literally anybody who's willing to engage it as a practice. Um, the data is really clear here. My personal experience is really clear here. The experience of my clients is clear. And so I couldn't deny how, how much benefit writing has to bring into our life. And I wanted this book to speak to people outside of the tiny group of people who would consider themselves a writer so um i mean to be to be really specific some of the benefits that writing can bring into our lives no matter who you are are uh improved mood people who write regularly report um having an improved mood over those who don't people who write regularly are less likely to visit the doctor for upper respiratory infections and flu People who write regularly are more likely to be higher earners. They're more likely to have deeper empathy. There's so many different things that writing can do for us that don't involve an Instagram post or a published book or a career as a writer that I wanted there to be a way for people to engage the process who, you know, don't make that money from writing words.
0: You're speaking of your own experience and how much writing has helped you. And I can definitely attest to that myself. I, I don't want to box it in and just say, this is journaling, you know, cause it, it, it's yeah. way, it's way beyond that. It's also not just writing for yourself in a, you know, just getting the words on the page or a, uh, what's his name? You know, the resistance.
1: Um, oh, Stephen Pressfield,
0: Stephen Pressfield, where it's, you know, you, you sit down in the same place. Although we get into a little bit of that. I think, uh, we can at least. It's not just about sitting in the same place every day at the same time with the same psychological practices and physical practices to then unearth some hidden gem inside yourself, although very well that's possible. But it's that for me, and lots of people have heard people talk about the Enneagram, for me, being a five who does a lot of research and goes down rabbit holes and trails, that for me, (laughs) writing is all about me doing research of my own self-discovery or my own self-awareness or, you know, bubbling things to the top. It's one part. Personal therapy, it's one part prayer. It's one part creative writing. It's it is one part journaling. It, it It's a lot of it's a lot of other parts, too, that I'm not going to necessarily go into. So sure. my personal experience and why when I saw what the book was, uh, it resonated. I said, well, this is productive because it is productive for me to have that process ongoing brick by brick, day by day as a habit.
1: Completely. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of times when I talk to people about the idea of implementing a practice of writing into our life, our, their brain immediately goes to the place of like, oh no, another ritual or habit that I need to add to my life, you know, as if I don't already have enough to do. And I'll share the data and the research around um the power of a personal writing practice and say, you know, kind of what I said a minute ago, which is that those who write for as little as 20 minutes a day for four days in a row can see a measurable improvement in their mood and an improvement in their immune system and all these other things. People say different things, but one of the pieces of feedback that I hear is, wow, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, that's a lot. And for any of us, I'm, I'm assuming people who are listening here are busy people. We've got, you know, responsibilities on every different front of our lives. We've got a million different hats that we wear and a hundred different things that we do in a day. And so for sure, carving out 20 minutes to implement a new habit into your life can feel like a lot, but. What if I told you that a practice like expressive writing could help you clear the clutter from your life and from your calendar in a way that actually frees up hours of time in your day that you didn't have before simply because it brings clarity to your priorities or because, you know, it, it reminds you of what you want to be focused on so that you can say no to the things that don't really matter to you or because, you know, it provides a different kind of clarity, like say clarity around um, like the the friendships that you really want to invest in versus the ones that are not as important to you. Maybe it would help you make a big decision so that you can make a decision that's really in alignment with where who you are and who you want to be in the world and where you're trying to go instead of taking a long detour in another direction. So there are all these ways that writing can can help us stay focused, help us stay on track. And actually at the end of the day, give us back 10 times the amount of time that we spend actually doing it
0: that's totally true i can i can express that that has been my experience i mean 20 minutes is minimum you know the time i waste wrestling with distractions doing projects if i haven't done my writing for the day or in the morning because that surfaces things to you know in my brain and or my spirit or you know, just emotions, thoughts, feelings, you know, everything comes forward then. And I deal with it then in a, in a, in an allotted time and place and structure. And, and if I, and if I can't fully put it in its right place at that time, I can always come back to it. But I've, I've put it there. I've, I've brought it up. I've put it there. I've left it there. And so then, uh, I, I, it just, it, it, that 20 minutes, it's, it's kind of like doing the homework, you know, it's, it's, by doing the structure and the thinking ahead of time, it frees up that time later. So again, I can have twenty minutes first thing in the morning, which people say they don't have, or you know, how how it, it's one TV show, it's one, it's one, it's one sitcom or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Later in the day, so just skip that or something. I don't know. Stop making excuses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and the other thing too, you know, when I coach someone to implement a ritual like writing into their life. I, what I tell them is, you know, the data shows 20 minutes a day is what it takes for four days in a row. And actually, the benefits that you see from that practice for four-day writing practice will last you up to six months. So technically, if you wanted to hack the system, you could write for four days in a row and not write again for another six months. I don't recommend this. And here's why, because we're creatures of habit. And so if you fall out of the habit of writing for six months, you're very unlikely to come back to it. What I recommend is instead of focusing on the 20 minutes, actually start with an amount of time that feels really achievable for you. Um, so that amount of time might be two minutes or five minutes, or it could be 30 seconds scribbling something down on a cocktail napkin or, or a scrap piece of paper. But find a way to implement this ritual into your life in a way that feels really doable for you so that you'll actually do it. And what ends up happening, this is just without fail, is people experience such an incredible benefit from actually doing it that they don't need to um, like white knuckle the habit anymore or, or discipline themselves into doing it. They just experience the benefit of doing it. And in the same way that you would do if you like woke up on a morning when you had something really exciting to do. You wouldn't have to drag yourself out of bed and drink four cups of coffee. You'd be like so excited to get out of bed and, and, you know, like go on that trip that you've been dreaming of or go meet that friend that you haven't seen in a long time. So we can cultivate and create that same kind of relationship with our writing practice where we don't have to force ourselves to do it anymore. I mean, I've been doing this for so long and I experience such a benefit from it that when I fall out of the habit or the practice, I actually crave it and miss it and um, she can't wait to carve out the time to do it again. So, um, so that's kind of the approach that I
0: take. I had fallen out and, uh, until I'd received the book and started going through it and realized that I had inadvertently been missing it, uh, or, or just serendipitously had just not found the time yet. Uh, that, I mean, it was serendipitous that the book came out because it was, mm-hmm. uh, coming out of nowhere. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't planning for it, but I was trying to, reconfigure my morning routine again, uh, based on seasonality and just different changes in life. And, and I've been doing great with that, but I was like, there's still something off. What is it? And then this came through and I thought, oh, that's definitely it. And so, um, fitting it in and having it in the morning and, you know, again, it doesn't have to be the morning. Uh, it, it just has to be a time that, that works. I know one of the things that you talk about in the book is, is not just making time, but making space and we can pivot to space in a second, but making time again, when people think they don't have time, you've already said, you know, 20 minutes is great. If you can only afford or, or a lot five to, to get started, that's great. Even just the four days, I thought, well, there's another hack right there that you may not necessarily be saying, you know, do four days and then you reap the benefits for 60. I'm thinking, you know what? There are four days, Monday through Thursday that are a certain kind of let's just say a certain kind of way for me personally in a given week. And then the other three days just kind of, I have to fit it in at a different time of day. And I just kept feeling guilty of I might forget or I did forget. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If the benefits are there enough that I did it just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe that's another option for somebody. Again, this isn't like a silver bullet where you have to do it one specific way or it doesn't work at all. But that's I guess I'm saying that's another option for people,
1: yeah, totally so. I want to make a comment on the time piece, especially because you know when I first started teaching this content, I've been doing this for many years, but when I first started doing it, I was single, living on my own, um didn't have a a romantic partner in my life, didn't have any children, um all I did was my work and my writing and my creativity, and I, and I never really understood when people were like. I don't have time. I would, I would have this mentality that I'm like, who can't find 20 minutes in their day. This feels like a time management issue to me. And now I'm married. Um, I have a six month old daughter. I, you know, run a company. I've got five employees. I am on Slack and email. And, and literally this morning during my writing time, I sat down and wrote, um, I have seven appointments today, 200 plus emails. Um, what was the third thing that I wrote down? What what whatever? Oh, 80 things on my to-do list in you know Monday.com and and I'm like sixty-four messages on Slack or, or whatever it is. I'm like, how did this happen? It's just like, <laughs> like a different kind of life that I'm living now than I was five or six or eight years ago. And so because of that, it has changed the way that I see time. But I think, you know, depending on who you are and what kind of life you live and wherever you are that you're listening to this. For you, 20 minutes might not feel like a big deal and it might feel super easy to carve that out in the beginning of your day. For me, I'm, I'm glad that I'm having this experience now because I can much more easily relate and resonate with people who are like, listen, finding 20 minutes in a day would be like a miracle. <laughs> like I can't, I can't keep up with just like the basics of my life, let alone, you know, finding time for creativity. And even still, uh, I guess what I'm wanting to emphasize is that even still with how many things are on my plate now, Finding even two minutes or five minutes at the beginning of the day to focus my attention, to think about what matters the most, to bring the priorities to the top of the list, to remind myself of like, you know, what the one thing is. Doing that sets the mood and the tone and the direction for the rest of my day. So regardless of whether I end the day with 200 emails that haven't been responded to and you know, people are waiting three and four days or whatever for me to respond, or maybe they never back. Um, Regardless of whether that's the case or whether I end the day at inbox zero, the bigger question to me is, how do I feel about my life? Am I really prioritizing the things that matter? Am I creating the, the things that I want to create in my life? Am I, do I enjoy my work day? Do I feel really connected to the people around me? You know, these are the things that actually dictate how happy we are in our lives, not whether or not we got to inbox zero, whether or not we answered every Slack message, whether or not every person out there is happy with us because no one's ever, you know, not everybody is ever going to be happy with you. So writing as a tool has helped me to sort of stay focused around the things that really matter so that regardless of however other many balls I have up in the air, that I get to dictate and decide how I experience the life that I'm living.
0: Ultimately, you're saying the benefits just are so valuable and so worth whatever amount of time you can give towards setting up this habit that it's worthwhile to do, even if you're going to fail at it off and on for a while. Just start.
1: One of the first things I say in the book is like I open the first chapter by saying that most people go most of their lives about ever really expressing themselves. And I think this plays out in productivity culture like this. Exactly what I'm saying, that we go through our days and we somehow end up as a slave to our email inboxes, to our Slack, to our bosses, to our coworkers, to our Instagram followers, to, to, to the input that's coming in from the outside. And we're sort of trying to like manage all of the, the tasks and, and opinions and ideas that are flying at us. You know, like we're like responding to the news and to, yeah, like what's happening on Instagram and what's happening on Twitter and what's happening in our inbox and. You know, we sort of, I don't know people if people out there feel this way, but I have felt at times in my life, like, no matter how hard I work, I can't sort of get on top of this. And at the end of our lives, when we look back and go like, thank God I answered all the emails that people sent me. Or we will we look back and go like, thank God I made that thing that I wanted to make. Thank God I did that thing that I've always wanted to do. Thank God I showed up and was there for my family. Um, I think writing as a way of... um helping us cut through the clutter and helping us, you know, the way that we show up on the page is the way that we're showing up in our life. I talk about that a lot in the book. And so it, it acts as this mirror for us and it can be diagnostic that the practice of writing. And so I, I think we can start to think through, like, if I get to the end of my life, what do I know I need to express of my life that I'm not already expressing? And writing can help us answer that question and then also actually do the things that we need to do in order to express that thing. So, you know, neglecting, delaying the writing process, deciding that you don't want that to be part of your life is fine. If you're in a position like I was for so much of my life where you're just like sort of trying to get on top of the pile and wanting to make sure that you've checked all the boxes. But when you decide like, whoa, checking all the boxes is not making me happy. I have something much more important that I want to do with my life and I don't really know what it is. And it feels super scary and I'm not sure where to start, but I'm, that's the direction that I want to move. When you're there, then a writing practice has something, you know, invaluable, like absolutely invaluable to, to give.
0: Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search If somebody's on board with this and they're willing to take the advice of figuring out when they can fit it in time wise. I mean, uh, you've already said, you know, 20 minutes is ideal. Obviously, that's not a limit. You can go further than that if you have more than that time. Yeah. That's great. Um, but we're talking about conquering this this busyness that takes us away from being able to think we can even do this, let alone do it at all. Um, the five minute option But I think for a lot of other people, it's it's not, especially when we've been kind of in lockdown mode or in quarantining mode for almost a year now or over, depending upon where you're at, space, having a place that is physical, a physical space that you can carve out can also be and or feel like a a huge issue when it comes to this. And so if the Venn diagram of time and space don't come together, we just say it's never going to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, so you asked about time of day and I. Uh, this does feel important to talk about because all of the data shows that morning time is a really powerful time to, to do our writing. I think it's why so many of us naturally gravitate toward doing our writing in the morning. The, the side behind this is you're, when you're writing, you're accessing a part of your brain that you don't access in other parts of the day. And that part of your brain is really active first thing in the morning. It's active while you're dreaming. And for as long as you, Um, in the morning, you know, are not in your email account or on your smartphone or opening your computer for as long as you avoid doing those things, that part of your brain will still be really active. And so you'll probably have an easier time getting some writing done first thing in the morning if you're able to do it then. So what I tell people is if you have the ability to carve out time first thing in the morning to do your writing, then do that. If you have children who wake you up first thing in the morning, like my daughter's six months old and she wakes up at like, it depends on the day, but like anywhere between like 4.30 and 6.30 and sometimes doesn't go back to sleep. And so, you know, we're like, we're working on the sleep thing and she's doing a good job of sleeping through, through the night until about five. But then after that, it's like, who knows if I'll get any time to myself until I sit down at my desk for the day. So, whereas my writing time used to be first thing in the morning, now my writing time is from about like nine o'clock or nine fifteen until ten um and it's the first thing that I do when I sit down to my desk during the day so but i'm not i guess oh, one of the the most important things I can say is that I'm not beating myself over the head or saying or shaming myself or guilting myself for not making writing the first thing I do in the day, and i'm not I'm definitely not you know pushing off my daughter and saying you know, she's just going to have to pen for herself at six months old so that I can do my writing first thing in the day. I'm just finding a way that I can fit this into my real life, my actual life um, in a way that's doable and manageable for me. And, and that, you know, as much as possible, it capitalizes on the data and the science behind this. But a lot of people will say to me, probably about 20% of the writers I've worked with over the years will say that their best writing comes for them late at night. And this is probably temperament, personality, you know, our natural bio rhythms. Some people are morning people, some people are night people, but same kind of idea that that part of your brain is, is probably more active at a time of the day when you don't have a bunch of meetings scheduled, when you're not expecting a bunch of phone calls or text messages. So late at night, you know, like there's like a creative witching hour between maybe midnight and 2 a.m. or somewhere in there, 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., and I know a lot of creative people who get their best writing done then. So for them, that's what works the best. I think it's a matter of figuring out what actually works in my real everyday life, what's actually going to serve me as a person instead of what so many of us do where we're like, we we buy into these myths of the writing life that it has to happen in a certain way or it has to look this certain way. And I think that's part of what keeps us from actually doing it.
0: No one quote, best practice from somebody else means it's a best practice for you.
1: Agreed. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So how do you then find, uh, you know, I mean, you've got, you're fitting it in time-wise. I think you're saying that it works best for you maybe in the morning, but again, I mean, we've, and, and I've talked about this with other people in terms of morning and evening time. And, you know, I'm more of a morning time when it gets to be late enough at night, say, nine (laughs) i'm dead like i'm i i don't you know i can read to myself i can't read out loud i can't i definitely am not going to write um so it's more of a morning thing for me but somebody else it's going to be flipped but regardless of that and then regardless of or and then incorporating say the, the timing also then dictates what maybe space is available to me
1: yeah. I mean, physical space does really matter for a writing practice. And I unpack this in the book because, you know, our physical spaces will curate an environment in which we feel safe to do the kind of writing that I talk about in the book, which is um, expressive writing. So so for some people sitting at their desk, like their work desk doesn't feel like a particularly safe space to do to do expressive writing. Um And in that case, you know, you can Pick a chair that's in your house or and I make the joke in the book that, you know, I've worked with clients who are like, the only space in the house that's all mine is my closet. And I'm like, great, right in your closet, like, but <laughs> on the floor, like wherever, wherever it feels like a space for you that you can kind of shut out the rest of the world and just have a moment to yourself. That is a perfect space to do your writing. You know, I talk about the brain science behind this, but you can use, um, sense and or music and or a lot of other environmental things to help train your brain to go to that place that I'm talking about that you go to when you write that you don't go to other parts of your day. So if you're writing, for example, at 3 p.m., then I would recommend using a lot of other supportive tools like incense or essential oils or music or whatever to help you go to that part of your brain because you're, you're it's going to be more difficult for you to get there at 3 p.m. than it would be at 6 a.m. if you were doing this first thing in the morning. So you can kind of use your environment to help you curate a space that facilitates inspiration. And then, um and then over time, ideally, what would happen is that physical environment would become integrated into your body and it would become part of you. And you can take that physical environment with you wherever you go. So, you know, I used to get my best writing done on airplanes in part because you're you know, not anymore, but you're disconnected from the world for a period of time. So like back in the day when you didn't have internet access on an airplane, I would get five thousand words written on a flight from one place to another because I'm it was the only time of day when I didn't have text messages and emails and stuff coming in. Now, you know, I, I because I've had that experience, I can sort of integrate that into my body and I can I can mentally take myself to that place. And um, bring that, the experience of inspiration with me wherever I go.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's kind of a portable space that's inside of yourself that, you know, you you maybe are using, I'll use the word crutch, but that's not probably the most appropriate word, maybe a catalyst or a...
1: Yeah, a scaffolding. Yes. What I really call it. Yeah, it's a scaffolding. It's like, you know, it helps support the practice until you're strong enough to to take it with you, you know, to other places.
0: Yeah, that's great. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Um I do have a, a specific spot that works best for me because I won't be interrupted, but I hadn't thought about maybe testing it out and seeing if I could do it somewhere else. Um though I have my optimal time already set out, so that's good. I know that you also mention not just making time and, you know, and and making space and carving those out, but also making space in your mind. What does that mean?
1: Well, I mean, I sort of touched on this a few minutes ago, but we just live in a world where we're constantly bombarded with information that may or may not be pertinent to, to, you know, like the life that we're actually living, like the place that we're grounded in in the present moment. Um, it may or may not be helpful to us, I guess. And it's just an unprecedented amount of information. Not only that, on top of that, let's just take away the news cycle and instagram social media um our phones ringing and dinging like every app notifying us of every new note of every new thing that's happening on the app so take away even all of that and just inside of your own mind you have i call it in the book the peanut gallery of opinions that are just like the the people you've known over the course of your life that have become voices inside of your head that are tapes that are playing on repeat that just kind of pop up and give you their two cents on every single thing that you do so you know, you, maybe you sit down to your desk at the beginning of the workday and you have one voice that's telling you like, you know, I can't believe you're behind on email again. Like get on top of this, like figure this out. You, you might have another voice that's telling you like, do you know to Called your mom in two weeks? Like she probably thinks you hate her. You know, you definitely need to call your mom. And So we just have this like committee of voices in our head that's constantly um pulling us in a thousand different directions. And I think the beauty of the writing practice is what it does is forces us to choose a voice to choose a thread and to follow that thread all the way to the end. It's incredibly clarifying because what the the goal of the writing practice is to help us choose the voice that is our voice that's the one voice that can tell us what the truth is about us, about what our priorities ought to be, about what we're here to contribute in the world and and that our uh, you know the the process of sort of clearing away the clutter and focusing on the one thing that matters is what makes the writing process incredibly difficult. And it is also what makes it so rewarding and so important. And so, you know, I, I talk readers through when you sit down to the page and you stare at the blinking cursor, there can be this moment of panic where you think like, huh, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure I know what to say or what to write. And, and actually if you can, you know, find time in your, in your day and then create a space in your environment and then sit down to the page and just show up to the blank page. Even if you don't record a single word on the page, you've already done so much of the work of of a writing practice and already you're gaining so much of the benefit of the writing practice without ever recording a single word. Just by doing those three things, you'll already start to experience so many of the benefits.
0: It's, it's almost like meditation without a, a productivity side to it where you're, quote, producing words or word count.
1: Yeah, it is. Writing is incredibly meditative, and writing will show just like meditation. Writing will show you to yourself. So, if any anyone has a meditation practice, you know how oh, I call it glitching out when you sit down to meditate and you're just like, "Oh, I can't do this today. Like, I'm I have too many things on my mind. I'm too stressed out. I can't meditate today." I don't know if anyone else has that experience, but I call that glitching out. It's like it will the meditation practice itself shows you to yourself like a mirror so that you can see that actually on the day when it's most challenging to meditate is the day when you most need it. <laughs> and writing will do the same thing when you sit down to the writing practice and you think like, I can't do this today. Like, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I just can't feel, I have too many things to do. It gives you a piece of information about yourself that kind of shows you yourself in the mirror and you go like, wow, I've got a lot of anxiety happening here. What's that about? And you can get really curious and explorative. And it, the the practice of writing becomes diagnostic and I use this analogy a lot because where you're stuck in your writing will be where you're stuck in your life. And writing can kind of show you um, where those stuck places are so that you can get unstuck in your writing, so that you can get unstuck in your life. I say all the time, there's no such thing as writer's block. It's not a thing. Writer's block is life's block. And where you're stuck on the page, it's because there's something, it almost always because there's something you want to say or do in your life that you feel you cannot say or do. You know, I was just talking with someone about this the other day about like uh, all of the political unrest that we've been in for, well, I mean, last four years, but longer than that, but, um, last four years, especially in the last few weeks, even especially with all of the, um, election drama and everything else. And, you know, there've been so many times when I've sat down to try to, um, try to put into words how incredibly frustrating and demoralizing it is to watch this happening kind of on the world stage and to be like, nobody, why how are there so many people out there who don't see what's going on here? Um, and it's been really hard for me to put it into words or let alone put it into words, also to share those words uh, on a public forum, like my Instagram or whatever. And what I, one of the things I say about writing is that our ability to to communicate something through the written word reflects our ability to process that thing. And just like I'm talking about with being where we're stuck in our writing and where we're stuck in our lives, um, what, it, what it's demonstrating to me is how trapped I still feel to communicate what I really think about a thing because I'm afraid of what a certain group of people is going to, uh, how they're going to respond to me. It's not because I don't know what I want to say. It's because there's something I want to say that I feel like I cannot say without losing face or losing social grace. And so that's that's just an example of how writing can show us where we're blocked and where we're stuck.
0: I totally get that. That's one of the things that helps me, uh, I, you know, when I can write that to myself at least and say it, uh, you know, it, as if I'm posting it online, but nobody sees it but me, that that has yeah. been that has been one of the the sanity savers uh, for me in the past few months, especially. Hey, write the email, but then delete the email kind of a thing, yeah. It, it, yeah. cathartic, in other words. Um, but I wonder if you you, you mentioned uh, there's such thing as writer's block, just life block. I think that's probably another reason why people don't want to enter into this habit is because they're not willing or ready or many other myriad of reasons to sit down and face those things that they are not happy about when it comes to their life block?
1: A hundred percent, yes. So there are developmental stages of the writer that mirror the developmental stages of our psychology. So like the first stage would be what therapists call or psychologists call pre-contemplative. This is when you have, um, so like from the life perspective, you have an addict who doesn't know they're an addict. So you've got a problem in your life that you actually don't know what the problem yet. The mirror in the writing life is, I'm not ready to write about this yet. Like, I'm just not even aware. It's not even on my radar. Like, I'm not even going to think about it or talk about it or put any words to it, period. Then the next stage in the process would be a willingness to sort of show up to the blank page when you're not really sure what to say yet. It's like me sort of trying to put to words how I'm feeling in this season, even though I don't feel like I have the right words yet. And that stage could also include, by the way, Um, the times when you put the words on the page. And even though there are words there, they don't feel like the right word. And that can be incredibly frustrating too. It's part of writer's block. And then the next stage would be when you've written something that you feel like, yes, this is it. This is what I've been trying to get at. And this is what I think. This is how I feel. This is what I've been trying to say. And it feels incredibly satisfying to finally define it in a way to just yourself, to nobody else. The next stage would be then an ability to take those words and share them with even one other person. And this is really powerful because disclosure, therapists talk about this, the ability to disclose ourselves to another person in a safe way where we will be received is healing, incredibly healing. And then the final stage would be a stage where you feel ready to share those words on a broader scale with more than one person. Um, in hopes that the words could provide some encouragement to somebody, but also understanding and realizing that as you share your words on that broader scale, you probably are going to have people who push back, who reject you, criticize you, who say, you know, rude things about you, whatever it is. And by that stage in the process, you have enough of a secure sense of self that the idea of sharing this with a massive group of people, even though you might receive rejection and criticism, um, is still worth it to you. You know, I mean, like some of the some of the meanest things that anyone ha- have ever said to me have been the reviews for my second book, which is called Instructable. The most personal story I've ever told. It was an incredibly healing book for me to write, and um, and you know, I have a lot of five star reviews on that book, and then I have a handful of one star reviews that are just mean. They're just like mean people, mean people saying mean things about me. And I typically don't even read my reviews, but I stumbled across them one day and. Uh, the The reason I'm bringing this up is to say when you get to that final stage where you're ready, it doesn't mean that the criticism and feedback doesn't sting, but you're ready in such a way you have a secure enough sense of self so that people can say whatever they're going to say about you, and you just are sort of like, "That's about them, not about me. So um, anyway, I guess i'm what I'm getting at is that there are these stages, and it's really important to start. With the stage of writing in private with no intention to share this with anyone because it's the only way that we can really show up in truth to ourselves. And over time, as you develop, um, around this topic or subjects that you're writing about, you, you'll feel more secure around it and willing to share with one person or maybe
0: more. Yeah. That is definitely freeing and it's definitely self enabling in a, in a very positive way. But I wonder, even if we're, you know, maybe we've carved the time out. We've made the space. We've, Come to terms with, we want to start this habit and they sit there. And even if they just get benefit from sitting there without writing, do you have any kind of, here's how to get started, you know, questions or prompts that can, uh, get the momentum moving, I guess.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite prompts to start with is just list 10 things that are true for you today. This is an amazing, amazingly grounding prompt because it could be things as simple as, you know, it's January 21st. 2021, Um, it's 12.55 p.m. Central Standard Time. So that could be the first thing that you list. The second thing that you list could be, you know, it's a dark and dreary day outside. It could be, you know, I'm completely exhausted. That could be a truth that you list for yourself today. It could be something even more uh high stakes, like even deeper, where you say, um, I can't be in this relationship anymore, or I need to end a friendship with so-and-so, or... I can't do this job anymore. I hate my job. Maybe that's what you write. So uh, it can be, like I said, really simple, lighthearted, grounding things. I've got two feet on the floor. My name is Allison Fallon. I was born May 30th, 1983. You know, like it can be just that simple and that in itself is grounding. Or as you get through the list, you may find yourself saying things that you didn't know you thought or, or or speaking truth that you didn't know you felt. Because of the way that writing helps you access that other part of your brain. So that's just a super simple prompt that you can start with. I do teach in the book a prompt called the Infinity Prompt that is actually a prompt you can use over and over again every day for the rest of your life. That the reason I call it the infinity prompt is because you just will never run out of material to write about. So that one I teach in the book, but um but the the practice of listing 10 things that are true is a really great place to start.
0: That is a great place to start. I, I had not actually thought about that before. Um, hearing that from you and it's definitely, it may sound silly. It may feel silly even to just say here. I, my name, I know my name. I know, I know where I am. I know, you know, what day it is. Those are, it feels like those are questions when you come out of a coma, they want, they, they ask you, but maybe that's what's happening is you're coming out of an expressive coma, you know?
1: I mean, truly, truly, that's a great analogy and a beautiful way to say that.
0: So I want to push people though to, to get the book and I want people to start to tap into the power of this? Obviously, the book has just come out. Where can we direct people to find out more, or even get more of a taste of this?
1: Two places. So, well, first of all, you could actually three places. You can go to thepowerofwritingandown.com and you can actually download the first chapter for free. So you can read the first chapter before you purchase the book if you want to just get a taste of what my writing style is like. Also, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I share a lot of writing prompts there. I talk a lot about my own experience with writing and kind of showing you like how a writing practice fits into my everyday life. So that's another really great place. And then also at findyourvoice.com, we have a free, um, a free option. You can join our Find Your Voice Writers Club where you can get free writing prompts in your inbox every single Monday morning, or you can also use like one of our our um, journaling products. We have one called Grow Write that gets you into a a regular practice of writing for 90 days. So lots of different ways that you can engage.
0: Oh, great. I will link up to all of that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to really help a lot of people, especially with where a lot of us find ourselves right now in January of 2021. And let's just leave it at that. So, uh, Ali, it's been great talking with you yet again. And I definitely want to make sure it's not, uh, as few and far between as it was this time, as the next time is. Thank you so yeah, much for being here.
1: My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to catch up and we'll have to do this more often.
0: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed revisiting this conversation with Alison Fallon like I did. You can find the link to her book, The Power of Writing Things Down, including a link to get the first chapter for free at beyondthetodolist.com or just look in the show notes in your podcast player app of choice. While you're there, would you do me the favor? of sharing this episode with somebody you know needs to hear it. I know you know somebody who needs to dive deeper, not just into journaling and writing and the power of writing things down. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice there, or again, over on those show notes. Send it to them. Let them know you were thinking of them. Do them that favor. Do me that favor and share the show with them. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next episode.